oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, what it do? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn 2 Podcast as we continue on our 30-team preview series uh, with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Are they still going by that entire ridiculous moniker? Uh, But uh, the Mike Trout-led Angels, we're going to get into them, the entire team. And joining me on the show, uh, Mr. Corey Ott. Welcome back, buddy. It's been a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 been a little bit. I'm happy to be back. I got my rafting trip in this weekend, so my adrenaline's all out. I'm back. I'm ready to talk baseball. Are they just the Los Angeles Angels now? Are they Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? Did they drop that? What are they now? What are what the heck are they? I believe it's still Los Angeles Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I haven't heard anything different. <laughs> the LAA of A. Um <laughs> So, uh, like, uh, for anyone who's not uh, used to the series, if you're tuning in just because you're interested in the Angels or it's your first time catching the podcast, we're doing an entire 30-team series. Uh, We go through on roster resource over on Fangraphs, go through the entire team, um, lineup, uh, bench, rotation, prospects, bullpen, the whole nine yards, let you know what you should expect from a fantasy perspective, more in a redraft standpoint, especially once we get the shortened season going. Um, So, we'll just dive right into it. Uh, Starting at the very tippy top, Roster Resource has Tommy LaStella leading off, which grain of salt. We're not exactly sure what they're going to be doing with Tommy LaStella and David Fletcher. Are they going to platoon with each other? Are they going to try to get them into the lineup more? Otani will DH on some days. Some days he won't be. Um, Will Tommy LaStella maybe platoon with Albert Pujols, who typically in his career has been a pretty good hitter between righties and lefties, you know, now versus righties uh, only hits uh, 236. So maybe Listella sees some time at first base a little bit. Um, and uh, maybe, you know, we, we just don't know. So anyway, Tommy Listella had a, uh, had a very good season last year and we know that the coaching staff uh, over there really likes him. So from a fantasy perspective, the biggest question here is it bats. Uh, he loved, he batted 295 last year with 16 home runs and only 321 plate appearances, which is excellent. Um, so we could talk about him and David Fletcher at the same time, Corey. Uh, what do you make of these two? Because uh, I just I just don't know how many bats they're going to get because I don't know how they're going to handle the situation between those two and uh, you know the DH and platooning possibly pools. There's a lot of different ways that this can go. That's the tough part um, because yeah, very interested in both of them, but. Uh, like you said, probably going to platoon like David Fletcher, obviously better at um, uh, hitting uh, right-handed pitching and uh, Listella being better at hitting left-handed pitching. Um, but if, you know, if one or the other kind of doesn't perform, then you're probably going to see a slight bump or a nod to the other guy. Um, but I, I like, I would like to see him in the platoon. Honestly, it's probably what's best for their team. It's not what's best for uh, us fantasy managers, but um, you know, they're both super solid OB keep. OBP guys. And by the um, way, so he, neither of them ha- neither of them are bad split people either. They both actually handle both sides of the plate fine. They both are everyday guys. I mean, as far as they don't, they're not, they don't suffer from one side of the plate. No, they don't, and and um, they just seem to excel at one or the other. And I mean, that's that's a really good tandem to have at the top of the lineup. And Fletcher, you know, an OBP specialist. So is Listella. Um, you know, the last three years, Listella is 389, 340, 346. So he's had a slight fall off on OBP. And, um, you know, he started to to walk less, um, which is something uh, of, of concern, but kind of seemed to sell out for power a little bit. But his K rate actually um, seemed to to dive a little bit to last season. So not he didn't completely just sell out for power and start striking out and walking less, but he was actually, you know, making strides to make better contact. You know, he made the best contact of his career about 90% um, with the exception of 2015 and 80% O contact. So that's where the big jump really came from. There's 11% jump from where he was in 2018 
Um, and that proves that his batted ball skills, you know, they, they slightly did get better, even for being 30 years old, going into his age 31 season. Um, he is still making strides. I don't really believe that the power is, is truly real. Um, that's, that remains to be seen. And if the ball trends back to normalcy or whatnot, but, uh, you know, he's a very viable option, especially if he's not going to platoon. Yeah. And I, if, if I had to pick between the two, I would probably go with David Fletcher only because I mean, Listella played some first, second and third, I believe, but then uh, Fletcher played some second, some third, some short, some outfield. Uh, so I would think between everyone, he actually would be the safer bet to get at bats. The only problem is if most of those at bats are going to be in a platoon with Tommy Listella, Listella will be getting the strong side of that platoon because even though I said they're both don't have a weakness, Fletcher three, you know, half of his home runs were from one side, half the other Listella is, you know, most of his power comes from the one side of the plate, which will be from a batting left-handed. So it's tough. Um, unless I'm in a deep, like a draft champions leagues, I'm probably not going to be taking either of them, unfortunately, just because of this, you know, there's other people that are more guaranteed, more at bats, but man, having a guy like David Fletcher, um, with all that position eligibility is, is really nice. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a headache. <laughs> Yeah, I ended up with him, I think, in NFPC and a couple other uh, deep team leagues uh, like that, uh, Roto leagues, um, trying to, you know, get the average boost and just kind of get, you know, all around boost in the offensive categories from him. And, um, you know, what's amazing about Fletcher is just being 98th percentile and, or, you know, top 2% in K rate, uh, top 4% in expected batting average. And I mean, he's still underperforming his batting average. You know, it's, it's pretty incredible. Top 1% with. Um, so he literally just does not swing and miss like a 317 Babbitt for a ground ball hitter as well is something that that intrigues me. You know, we don't like to use Babbitt very often and, and mm -hmm. definitely not as a determinant. But, you know, using it as in tandem uh, to kind of clarify if a, if a ground ball hitter is getting lucky, if he's not, you know, he's pretty league average and he hits a lot of ground balls. So he's just, you know, he's a raw hitter and he can beat defenses and just put the ball in play. And that that's what you need at the top of the lineup. And I agree with you. I would. I think I would rather see Fletcher up there, you know, in a real life scenario. And we would probably want Listella a little bit more for fantasy purposes. Yep. Uh, to be honest, um, in a real world and fantasy perspective, I kind of wish Albert Pujols would retire. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, him and his 280 on base percentage and, you know, <laughs> 240 Babbitt. Uh, you know, that, you know, Tommy Listella should probably just be a first base for them uh, every day. Uh, it's not going to go that way, but maybe I think, I think this is a year though, where we'll see a lot of like, I think, I think Listella will platoon with both Fletcher and pools. Um, and in between the DH two, I think that these guys will have a lot of at bats. So there is some value there. Uh, batting second for the angels. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of him. Some guy named Mike Trout. Um, he's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not much to say here. We won't spend a ton of time. We already talked a little bit before the show. He's, he's the freaking best player in baseball. Anyone who says that he's on the decline, he's like a fine wine. He ages in time. He becomes even better. He had 45 home runs, a career high last year, 11 stolen bases in 600 plate appearances. Um, he, as he's getting older, the steals are going away. And that is something that I don't think is going to come back either that um you know he was it the last uh 2016 he uh he stole 30 of 37 in 2017 he sold 22 of 26 in 2018 he stole 24 of 26 and last year he stole 11 of 13 it's just one of those things that uh, you know uh, as you get older uh to prevent injury uh a lot of different reasons people just don't run as much, especially if you're going to be batting, um, you know, a little lower in the lineup, but he is batting second here. So I think power, you know, power, tons and tons of power, high batting average. That's what we're going to see, which is uh, we're going to take him out of the top spot and probably roto formats, but there's really not much else to say. I mean, if he's not one, he's two, if he's not two, he's three. It, you can really, you know, split, you're splitting hairs between any of these guys. If you own them in dynasty, you're thrilled to have him still. He's out. He's, he's Mike Trout. <laughs> is there anything else to say about Mike Trout? No, no, he's simply the best. And the only thing is, like you said, stolen bases. I, I could actually see them taking an even sharper decline. Um, I mean, given a shortened season, obviously, but even in a full season, because if they're going to have La Stella, if they're going to have uh, David Fletcher, one of those two hitting in front of Trout, they're going to be on base. Like, so Trout likely is not going to be getting as many stolen bases attempts as he has in the past with the leadoff hitters he's had in front of him because there's, you know, it's a pretty well constructed team at the top of the lineup there. 
Yeah, I will. You know what? Since we're talking about him, I'll be very brief. I've, I've said it in the past. People have gotten on me because it's, you know, you, you shouldn't be talking bad about Mike Trout, who's phenomenal. But he is not my number one pick in Roto Leagues. He's not my number two pick in Roto Leagues. In points leagues, it's completely different. He's your number one pick. He should be. But in Roto, without the speed, because I agree with you that I think there's even steeper decline where speed is almost not going to be a part of his game, I think, going forward, like at least in a meaningful way. If he is not stealing the base if he's not stealing bases what separates him from a healthy jd martinez you know what i mean um so that's that's kind of your big issue there i mean you're you're you you feel confident in mike trout and the steals could be there but you know juan soto jd martinez those types of guys um you know i mean there's not a ton that is really going to separate him I mean, he's going to have a little you know i think jd martinez is a better comp as far as like you know the, the where the batting average could be but uh, that's why, you know, I am I am off of Mike Trout from a fantasy standpoint as far as, you know, the best. Uh, and, you know, if you have like the number three pick, you're, you're st- even though I'm saying there's no stolen bases, um, he's J.D. Martinez. You're not you're still going to pick him third overall. But let's just say he didn't steal any bases this year. Let's say he stole three, you know, three or four. Uh, w- where does that put his value next year? Assuming that, you know, um, he, he puts up like a, a 315 40 home run line. I mean, I still, <laughs> I can't take him out of the first round. You can't, right? You know? No, I'm just saying. I'm just, yeah, you can't. Yeah. It's, I'm just it's, saying, it's, like, it's, if J.D. Martinez has a more home runs and a higher batting average, and he still has only three bases, Trout, he's still going right. to be drafted in the first half of the first round. J.D. Mar- maybe I'm just saying J.D. Martinez is freaking disrespected. No, that's a that's an amazing point, actually, man. That's something that, yeah, a lot of people aren't taking into account, is that if the stolen bases do completely dry up, like, he just, you know, he falls out of that five category, you know, best fantasy player in the world kind of, you know, position. And you have to start actually comparing him with other hitters around the league that are going in the first two, the first two rounds. And that is going to be extremely difficult because that's something we've never had to do before. So the next two seasons drafting Mike Trout, it's going to be very interesting where people are going to value him if the stolen bases do continue to dry up. But uh, we'll move on from this blasphemy and uh, move on to the uh, the big addition into the lineup. Uh, free agent Anthony Rendon signs with the Angels after coming off a uh, obvious career best year. Batted 319 with a 412 on base, 598 slugging, 34 home runs, 117 runs, 126 RBI. People are really excited about him. Um, there, it, it, it kind of comes down to like you get into the second round, uh, Freddie Freeman and him. Like after the you know the Jose Ramirez types of shortstops have gone, and the easy speed is off there and you don't feel like if you don't feel like you know jumping and getting starling Marte early uh you start to get into these type of players the jd martinez if you wanted to go outfield first base freddie freeman third base anthony rendon um 100 his career year just happened right <laughs> so absolutely what do we think that is going to happen when he comes to uh over to play for the angels. Cause that, that is the big question here because you know, all the metrics uh, line up as far as his, his production being completely legitimate. Um, not only, you know, did he set career highs in an average, he also had a 12% barrel rate, 46 and a half percent hard hit con hard hit uh, rate and uh, contact rate near 90%. Um, so <laughs> going into uh, just 29 years old, what can we expect from Anthony Rendon is in a fantasy standpoint, is he worth a second round pick or is that paying for a career year? Yeah, I think he's still worth a second round pick and it kind of depends. Like you said, it depends who you're taking in the first round, whether you're going to take, you know, the power, the well-rounded players first, which way you're going to go with it. Uh, the big thing with Rendon that kind of struck me uh, last season is he just, you know, he developed a better eye. He started walking more. Um, he started getting on base more. And so he kind of, you know, he kind of got out of the the stereotypical like power hitting third baseman national park. Um, and and he started, you know, walking uh, a little bit more and he's striking out, you know, the least amount he has in his entire career. So, um, you know, strides like that where, you know, he's hitting, you know, fastballs, breaking balls off speed, you know, he's hitting above 260 essentially against all pitch types. And that is absolutely incredible um you know you have to you have to take into account that there might be a little bit of regression but he's underperforming you know all of his expected statistics even though his ex-woba is you know 418 um his you know or his woba is 413 his ex-woba is 418 like it's absolutely you know astonishing the the strides that this guy has made and i'm interested to see what he can do in a new park um yeah he's he's do he's he's definitely going to provide second round value. It's just a matter of 
whether you are willing to take the chance on him or not. Um, I would personally. Yeah, I have no issue with him. I, I'd say the 319 is not going to repeat itself. I'm thinking more like a, more like the 300 area he's been. In OBP leagues, he's a first-round pick, by the way, everybody. Um, the uh, the on-base percentage we didn't talk about, you know, we, you know, we, we touched on, but – uh, 2017, 403, 2018, 374, 2019, 412. Um, in an on-base percentage league, he should be a first round. Uh, in a regular league, I, I don't necessarily see how he's much better than Rafael Devers in the end, but it's not like, you know, if you're picking between the two, who cares? It's not like you have an opportunity. If you pass on Rendon in the second, you're not getting Devers in the third, <laughs> you, you know, because they're going uh, one's going the middle second, one's going pretty much the end of the second, beginning of the third ish round. So right. they're kind of they're kind of right there together. Right, and Devers, you know, I don't have it up right now, but I'm assuming he stole more than five bases. Did yeah, he? I think he had something weird where he stole like. 10 bases before like June and never stole another one. If I'm not mistaken, it was very yes. weird with him. So that's kind of odd. Um, but that's, <laughs> that is, that's kind of the big thing to take into account. There is when you're trying to delve out first round, second round picks. Like, I mean, I, it's hard not to, to take the speed upside. If you're going to get basically the same type of stat lines from Devers that you're going to get from Rendon, given Rendon is going to be hitting behind trout, which will probably, you know, his RBI totals are going to be right up there with where they were last year, simply because of who's hitting in front of them. Um, yeah. And, so and, and Lestelle and Fletcher, they both get on base as well. <laughs> exactly. So you, I mean, you can see a lot of three run home runs over in LA this season. Uh, batting cleanup will change depending on where Shohei Otani is. Uh in according to roster resource, they have him batting cleanup whenever he's in the lineup. Um, we are talking ahead of time. We don't know what they'll do with the rotation. I think I've said this before. I don't know if I've discussed it with you. This is what I would do with Shohei Otani, especially with how he was used to pitching in Japan uh, with him coming back from Tommy John's surgery um, in the shortened season where there might be, um, you know, you don't know how many games people will be playing like back to back and, you know, maybe having a six man rotation. They should pitch him on Sunday. Always. <laughs> There's always a game. It's usually a day game. He will know his schedule every week and you can plan his, his days hitting accordingly. Just pitch him on Sunday. Always. <laughs> That's it. That's what I would do. But we're talking about him right now as a hitter. Um, and very underrated here, by the way. Uh, everyone talks about, you know, he's like Steve Nebraska from the scout. He can do both. 286 with a 343 on base, 505 slugging percentage, uh, 18 home runs, and 425 plate appearances in 2019. So he can mash um, in daily leagues. Let's talk about this for a second. In daily leagues where you can utilize him as a hitter and a pitcher, where can you take him? Where do you have the balls to take him? Because – if he is who we think he is, he is a first round pick in daily leagues because players like him don't exist. Someone that could be one of an ace and an all-star hitter. They don't exist. Um, but knowing what you know now, him coming off of um, Tommy John surgery, we don't know how much he'll perform, at least on that end. In 2020, in a daily league, where where do you take him? Let's say you just, you just wanted him. Where, where would you take him? Yeah, so in a daily league, I mean, and he's going – you know, an NFPC is going like 132 right now. So, I mean, I, I would I would go as soon as, you know, probably the, the third round, third, fourth yeah. round. Like that's that's me. Like I pers I wouldn't pay up any more than that just because of the risk. That's well, you're going to the end of the player like to, this. If you're going to the end of the third round and you're like you're about to take Kettle Marte and he's available as a daily player that I, I'd yeah, be thinking I'd be thinking about it there. Yeah, absolutely. Just because, you know, he's going to give you the, especially in points leagues, he's going to give you extra points as a pitcher. Um, and that simply just boosts your, your overall score. You have to take, you know, a little more into account in, in the daily Roto leagues. Um, you know, you, you can't just lean on strikeouts um, with that, but he's proven to be a great, you know, pitcher all around. So I, I absolutely, I think I would take him in that spot. Really hard to, um, yeah, because it's... second base, like, that's the thing too. Like when you put him up against Cattell, like second base is so dry like this season. So I, that actually would be a very difficult decision to make. That would be, that would be the, that's usually the guy that uh, I've gotten when I'm around that area. That's the only reason I throw out his name on um, uh, but most people are not in daily leagues and he does have that injury hanging over him. So in, uh, in weekly formats uh, you're drafting, if you're drafting him, you're drafting him to be what? Exactly. <laughs> like, what are, what are you hoping for? Uh, you know, you're, you you got to draft him thinking he's a hitter because you're not sure what to get out of him as a pitcher, right? 
So right. knowing that he's going to bat what? I mean, he's going to apparently, he, he, you know, he's going to bat when he pitches. And I mean, what are we thinking? Three, four games a week? Yeah, you'd like to think so. And it depends if they play double headers or not as well. Yeah. So if they do play double headers, then that could really change that situation because they're going to start plugging guys in all over the place because they have the ability to do it. Yeah. Um, so he's a very tough guy to, to do you have any, sh- I have no shares of Otani. I don't either. And that is yeah. literally exclusively the reason is because I cannot, I can't figure out what is going to happen with him, And I can't even, I, I have no clue. So <laughs> I just, I'm going to let someone else deal with the headache. And if it, if he pans yes. out for him this season, then, you know, good for them, but I, I'll wait and I'll, uh, I'll try to fill my roster out with, you know, more secure players. If I don't understand it, I get rid of it. And uh, I don't understand what to make a show here, Tani. Batting fifth, according to roster resource, is the aforementioned Albert Pujols, who is really on the, you know, his last legs here. Uh, I, I mentioned some of his stats earlier in the show, but his last few years, 241 batting average, 245 and 244, barely cracking 300 once in on-base percentage. Still giving you around 20 home runs, even still giving, he's still an RBI machine, which is why we're saying Rendon is probably in for such a, a monster year. But now that Trout and Rendon and Otani are there, um, what do we think of Albert Pujols' value? Because I'm thinking he'll probably struggle enough where Justin Upton will probably end up being in front of him in the lineup as well. So those RBIs where, you know, they always say there's hidden value in guys like Joey Votto batting second because he'll have he'll score a lot of runs for the Reds. And a lot of people say, well, there's a lot of RBIs sitting on the table for pools. I'm not necessarily sure because <laughs> they could be being yanked off the table before he even comes to uh, – before he gets his at-bats. Um, so – Exactly. Uh, <laughs> this is a whole new situation from, yeah. from 2019, 2018, like Pujols, you know, he had some empty slots ahead of him um, and he was able to produce. But like you said, like Listella Fletcher above the, uh, at the top of the lineup, most likely going to get on base trout, likely going to get on base Rendon. If he doesn't get on base, he's going to hit a home run. So that leaves Otani and Pujols and then Upton. And yeah, that's not really the order that I'd like to see. I'd like to see Pujols bump down. I mean, even to the seven spot, like bump Goodwin up, maybe even um, Upton absolutely needs to be bumped. I could even, you know, if Upton's healthy and we can, we can get into him after Pujols in a little bit, but he, he could very well be a four hitter if he's healthy and he's on the field and he's playing and he's another guy to also keep in mind about the DH too. Like they just have this endless rotation, the cycle of guys, you know, w- with Pujols and Upton, just guys that have a, just enough injury proneness um, to, to be viable for, you know, the DH role given uh, wherever Otani, you know, whatever he's doing on any given day. So that's, that's something to take into account. It's, it's, it's going to be hard to delve out what they're going to do. Given what a huge headache this season is likely to be as far as logistics and I think a platoon could be coming Pujols' way if he doesn't hit himself out of the lineup. Like I have him marked down for like 240, 10 home runs, and like, I don't know, less than 300 at bats. That's <laughs> what I think he'll get. He may retire after this year. Um, it could be so confusing that he wants one more real year <laughs> before he retires. <laughs> I mean, he's making a ton of money. So no, not many people walk away from that kind of money, but I don't know how much his pride is as a future Hall of Famer. If he really wants to limp out, some people don't like to do that. Maybe they work out something like a David Wright type thing with the Mets where they like buy him out <laughs> or yeah. here, retire. You'll still get a bunch of money. Maybe not all of it, um, but pool holes. The only thing giving him value is the fact that first base is very, very shallow. Um, so if you completely if you completely swing and miss in a 15 team league, someone's gonna own Albert Pujols. You know, I mean, I would much rather have Joey Votto. I would much rather have Miguel Cabrera. Um, like, I don't know many first basemen. I'd rather have less than him. Is he yeah, the worst that's... first baseman in baseball? <laughs> Justin Smoke Chris with a Davis. DH because Chris Davis. It's funny, Chris Davis because of spring training. I'm not so sure. I wouldn't rather take a flyer on Chris Davis. Um, I mean, no, <laughs> I'm serious. Exciting. I'm yeah, serious no, though. I, 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 it's that close. Like that's how bad it is. I'm not even kidding. Justin Smoke with a DH. Ryan yep. Braun and Smoke will both get some uh, at bats now. Plenty of that. Yep. In the you know, it's 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 rough. Um, batting six is Justin Upton. He, he he was either a wasted pick or he's a tremendous value. Where do you land on on uh, Justin Upton this year? Um, it's kind of tough. Like I I think that um. You know, I, I kind of stay away from him just because of the, the injury thing last year. And then he had a slight, you know, a little. Yeah, what do you have? He had, he had a broken toe. He had a, 
uh, tendonitis in his knee, was it? Um, yeah, his yeah. right knee, patellar tendonitis. So yeah, he's all he's all sorts of banged up. But he did before that, 27 home runs, 29, 26, 31, 35, 30. So he's almost like 30, 30 home runs are like in the bag. <laughs> If yeah, he's healthy. And exactly. If he's healthy. And so it totally depends on your roster construction. If you've already taken risk on health or not. Um, I'm a person that never really takes too much risk on health um, that, you know, I've just always played that way. But with Upton, you know, he's going at, yeah, pick 203, I think, like you were saying. And um, I mean, you got Canha at 223 going after him. Braun at 241 with the universal DH probably being implemented. Braun is a very sneaky pick in that spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez at 284 and Trent Grisham at 290 as well. So like it kind of depends on what you need. Like if you if you just need power, like if you built up with, you know, you rounded your categories off pretty well, you're good on speed and you just need to get power, like take Upton then at, you know, at 200 in that range somewhere. If you really need it and you want to take the, ha- the chance on the health, I won't. Um, but, you know, I'd rather take, you know, Grisham or, or Braun or Canha even at, at that spot and get the potentially higher floor. But the thing with Upton love, love, is that... Love Canna. Yeah, Upton, I mean, Upton, Upton could find his way up. We mentioned uh, he'll definitely out hit pools. It's like a foregone conclusion. And oh, if yeah. Otani's not hitting, he could be batting cleanup, which he could soak up all those pools RBIs. Right, right. And Upton's, I don't know, he's intriguing, though, because it's his 13th year in the league. And I mean, the dude, you know, for since 2015, his barrel rate has gone from 11, 12.5 to 13.2 to 14%. And then after the injury, he went down to 11.6% again. Mm -hmm. So he has actually steadily, you know, linearly increasing his batted ball profile and his his contact skills over the last five years, even given his age and moving around parks. Um, So that like that intrigues me. And I haven't really, you know, spent too much time diving deep on him uh, and kind of looking around him. If if I would want to take other guys there, uh, like I was just talking about Canha and Braun, but um, I mean, man, it's intriguing. Like uh, the only real concern there is, you know, is is um, his line drive percentage is kind of plummeted down to the lowest lowest spot of his career. Um, but other than that, like uh, he's still Justin Upton, and like you said, thirty home runs is very much in the bag if he's on the field. Yeah. Um, batting next is uh, seventh is Brian Goodwin, who I swear the more I look at this lineup, the more I want more David Fletcher um, shares because. Uh, if he's not platooning with David, if he's not platooning with Tommy Listella, Tommy Listella could also move to first to platoon with Albert Pujols, opening up second for Fletcher. If Justin Upton gets injured, Fletcher's in the outfield. Brian Goodwin struggles from a platoon aspect as a, uh, as a lefty. Fletcher see, can see some spots there as well. There's a lot of places the Swiss Army knife David Fletcher can get in there. Um, so kind of like Tommy Edmond, who, you know, the DH obviously helps him tremendously in St. Louis, but someone who I feel was just going to make it into the lineup. Yeah. I, I think David Fletcher will be fine. So I take back what I said earlier. I really am comfortable <laughs> draft. I, I wish I, I, I wish I had more David Fletcher because I think he finds his way into this lineup, but Brian Goodwin, uh, now that Cole Calhoun is in Arizona, he could see close to everyday at bats as at minimum, the strong side of a platoon. Uh, he performed, you know, pretty admirably uh, batting 262 with 17 home runs, 65 runs, 47 RBIs and seven stolen bases in 413 at bats last year. Um, strikes out a ton. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, he, as far as, you know, that's not a worry in fantasy. No one really cares. He'd given you a batting average that maybe was a little inflated by a 337 Babbitt. Um, he's probably going to be more like a 250 or below hitter. But um, if he does get uh, close to everyday at bats, you could see 15 home runs, maybe a couple handfuls of stolen bases. But is is that anything that would interest you beyond like a draft champions format? Not really beyond that. No, um, it's yeah, kind of really need based. And it's something with Goodwin, um, you know, he's a perennially fly ball hitter, a perennial fly ball hitter. And um, he's been somewhat consistently carrying you know a high babbit from year to year so that's like again I, I i hate to keep circling back to babbit but you know when you're trying to cross check you know whether guys are actually becoming better hitters or if they're just simply getting lucky you can kind of check that with their fly ball and their ground ball rates um you know he's a fly ball hitter he's carrying a high babbit and that's usually something that you don't really see 
as mm-hmm. often. You see higher. He, he, he doesn't pull the, and, he, and he doesn't pull the ball much. He's like 30, right. 37, 36%. Right. And I'm, and I'm, that's why I'm generally out on him. And it's like, it's a very simple reason. And it probably, you know, it doesn't make that much sense to other people, but like, I'll go out on, on Goodwin simply because, and especially even in 15 team leagues, I'll, I'll stay away because of that, you know, that Babbitt, uh, he's going to, I just see regression coming in my opinion. If he's going to carry a high Babbitt and be a fly ball hitter from year to year, his luck is eventually going to run out and he's going to regress. So I'm not going to take the chance, especially in a short season. Like you guys were just talking about uh, when you guys did the Detroit Tigers episode, Christian Stewart. I would rather have Christian Stewart at pick 557 than Brian Goodwin at 536 because Christian Stewart, he, well, they're both probably going to play every day, but Christian Stewart is definitely going to play every day in Detroit. And he's going to be hitting, you know, probably a little bit more up in the lineup than Goodwin is. So that's the big thing. I don't like where Goodwin's hitting in this lineup. He's too mm-hmm. low. I just don't see the power might be there, but I don't see anything else coming through. And even though he, um, from a batting average standpoint, he doesn't struggle platoon wise. He, all of his power is on the one side, um, you know, at, at him, uh, you know, versus he, he really smashes righties. So again, I, I think at most Fletcher's in this lineup almost always. And I think that, uh, there's a, he, a good one, just another guy that could possibly get platooned as well. Um, batting eighth is in Drelton Simmons, who another guy who's probably perennially, perennially undervalued. Um, everyone thinks of him as just, you know, just a glove, but he, he does hold his own to a certain degree, um, with the bat. Unfortunately, he's at the very, very bottom of a lineup (laughs) and shortstop is very deep. So whether he is, you know, they have him batting eighth here. I, it's almost batter to bat ninth and almost be a double leadoff. To be honest, if, if you're him, they have Jason Castro down there in the nine, but semantics. Um, what do you think of Andrelton Simmons? You know, he, he, uh, last year, grain of salt, he batted two sixty four with seven home runs. He had a grade three ankle sprain and a foot injury. So obviously 2019 can be thrown out the, thrown out the window. Yeah. And I mean, you know, he's, he's typical old Andrelton. He, he just, he doesn't strike out and he doesn't whiff. So there's another guy, you know, along with Listella and Fletcher, you got Simmons, who is just an uber contact guy. And so he had it seemed like he kind of had his career year like he kind of hit his offensive prime over 2017 and 2018. And there's there's been a little bit of regression over time, which is kind of, um, you know, steered me away. I have him in a dynasty league because I did draft him in like 2016, I think, or 2017. And then he had those those big years. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to you know, I'm going to hold on to this guy. He's going to keep going. He's going to keep pushing and getting better. Um, and he, you know, he's gotten a little bit better, but, um, I, I I'm, I'm staying away personally and he started to chase pitches a lot more. So that's one of the big reasons. 32% O swing. Uh, that's a fairly, you know, decent jump from where he was before. And so the pitches that he is chasing out of the zone, he's not making as good a contact with either. So 73% O contact, uh, that's a four point drop from the previous season. And so just a little bit, you know, of a sellout there. Um, you know, he's, He's not, you know, he's not going to strike out very much. He's, he's Andrew and Simmons, but um, the stolen bases have also normalized a little bit. So he had 19 stolen bases in 2017, and that was his peak. Otherwise, he's going to be like 10 or less. But, you know, he's he could... yeah, t- t- 2016, 10, 2017, 19, 2018, 10, 2019, 10, 2020, probably 10. Exactly. Yeah. Or less because it's going to be a shortened season. So I, I, uh, yeah, it's just, yes. it, I, I'm kind of steering clear of Simmons because of what you said that shortstop is just so deep. Like it's the complete opposite of, of second base. So the, I, the, I'll, yeah. The one thing I'll say for a shortened season with people being platoon like crazy, hot hands being used, um, there'll be double headers. There'll be taxi squads um, in deeper formats, not just AL only, but in 15 team leagues, our uh, draft champions at bats and people are going to play every day is, is going to be at a premium. So I do think he's he's a guy that just to know identifying players that are going to play every day and because of his defense, he's going to play every day. So over a full season, maybe he only gives you 10 home runs, 10 stolen bases. He'll give you a batting average, maybe close to 280. Um, but in a shortened season, you know, it, it, it may not look magnificent because he only gives you a little power and a little speed. But being in there every day, especially in a weekly format, is is something worth is something worth something. So. He's one of those guys that I would be targeting as a backup, even though shortstop is deep. If I'm in a deeper league, um, I don't necessarily need to shoot for upside. 
Um, especially with my bench, I, I think that Simmons could have value just because if my guy went down, it's it's nice to know that in a shortened season where you know freaking all, all rules, you know there are no rules. Uh, Simmons is probably going to be playing as much as anyone in the majors if he's healthy. Which you know last year was kind of fluky. Uh, before that, he played like you know he, he was pretty much a beacon of health for most seasons outside of 2016. So um, I will say that he's not exciting, but I, it's it's really not even aimed at him. It's just aimed at that's just a general thing at bats will come at a premium innings pitched will come at a premium in a shortened season. So that's just a general thought, you know, maybe much, much more valuable in, in Roto than, than points by far. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, batting ninth is Jason Castro who uh, our uh, other co-host MLB moving averages absolutely loves. <laughs> he goes on and on about him. Uh, Mitch Garver went insane from uh, for Minnesota last year, who, uh, team wide just uh, decided to pull the ball, elevate the ball. They, you know, they had so many guys in double digit home runs, like five over 30. Um, but behind Mitch Garver, Jason Castro actually had a 17% barrel rate. And now he gets to go over to LA and start almost every day. So um, catcher is, I don't want to say deep. It's not as shallow as people think. It's top heavy in terms of there's JT real Muto. There's, there's Gary Sanchez. There's, there's just Monty Grandal, and then there's this weird mini tier of Contreras and Garver, um, and then there's like you know a bunch of you know the you know a bunch of other guys, serviceable um, catchers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> do you feel the need to grab a Omar Navarez or uh, grab a? Um, I'm trying to think of another guy in that area, but like you know that general that general vicinity, like a uh, Wilson Ramos, or do you feel fine? Um, taking available talent earlier, like, you know, better in, in other positions and falling back on a guy like Jason Castro. Are you happy with him being your catcher? I'm likely okay with him being my catcher. I don't know if I'd exactly be happy, but I mean, you look at the guys that are, that would go after him, like James McCann, Pedro Severino, Austin Romine, Victor Caratini, Mike Zanino, Tucker Barnhart. No, thank you. So I would be, you know, if Castro, if it's coming up, it's crunch time and I don't have a catcher yet and it's getting it's getting late. I am <laughs> definitely going to jump on Castro, even if it's before Suzuki or Roberto Perez, maybe even before Torino's, just because what Garver did was real and uh, he, and he's carried it over, you know, and, and I see Jason Castro. He's not just going to forget, you know, what he learned in Minnesota. And it's going to be really interesting to see if he can carry it to, to the Angels Stadium and see mm. um, if he can keep the power up or not. Um, but the the barrel rate is absolutely insane. But I would I find myself ending up with Omar Narvaez like a lot. I don't, I, don't want, I don't like going beyond him, to be honest. I hate yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. That's my I, problem. I understand the barrel rate. But it also came at the expense of his contact rate being close to 60%. His swing strike rate was 15.6. I mean, especially in a shortened season where there's a hot hand thing. He's a lefty, which is fine. On the on the bench, they got Max Stassi, who who big, big who cares. But uh, you know, if he's gonna be batting like 200, which again, he batted 232 last year. Um, he already has a career of, of poor you know, pretty much poor offensive numbers. If his swing strike rate is going to be around 16.5, that's, that's pretty ugly. Um, so yes, I understand the hype and especially since you can get him for zero, especially in two catcher formats, but in one catcher, I, uh, yeah, I'd like to sew up someone I'm a little happier with. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely taking, it's, it's taking a big chance, taking a shot in the dark that he's going to carry over what he did in Minnesota to LA, um, and I'm just I'm not willing to wait around for it unless it's just the draft happens to work out that way. Uh, let's talk about Joe Adele before we move on from the offense. Um, I uh, my opinion on him is probably well known from here. Uh, <laughs> I, I say it all the time in 2019. He was brought up to AAA where he had a 32 percent strikeout rate. Um and he just kind of he literally got brutalized at that at that level. He batted 264 with a 321 on base. Um Again, 32% walk rate. It didn't hit a home run in uh, over 130 plate appearances. He just he seemed overmatched after batting 308 with eight home runs in 180 plate appearances in Double A. So I I don't think that anyone hoping that you know when they were when they were uh, moving into the season that he would slide in. He he looks like someone not ready who needs to spend, especially in a shortened season where there's no minor leagues. 
I, I don't know why they would want to put him into the majors. He seemed like someone who needed maybe an entire year in the minors. If nothing else, he needed to start in AAA and prove that he can master that level. Um, and then trading for Jock Peterson and, you know, trying to, I think said all they needed to say about where maybe the organization felt because they wouldn't have made that trade. I think if they thought Adele was ready to go. Um, so where do you think of him again, just 2020, even in deep formats, is this a guy that you're trying to stash hoping that uh, they, they get a spot? Cause we already told everyone how underwhelming Goodwin <laughs> and you know, how some of the other options could be. Um, he just looks like a guy that even if they brought him up and gave him the opportunity, he looks like a guy who's just like, prime prospect who's going to struggle <laughs> yeah i think he's going to tread water a little bit in the first season uh, like you said and especially in a shortened season so like definitely worth a stash if you like if you construct your roster in a way where you can you can grab him and put him away in around um you know where you can you can just kind of throw around away and kind of have him in your back pocket because and, and i don't mean to say like throw around away but it kind of might be um, in a shortened season like this, because I think, you know, we were talking about this, this earlier with, with Goodwin and Odell, like, is it really worth bringing Odell? Like you were going to have these taxi squads and everything, but is the playing time really going to be consistent? Like is, you know, getting in a bat here and there can sometimes almost be detrimental for a, a prospect, you know, who's trying to develop and play every day. So like you said, Goodwin, I can see him just sticking in there um, this season because I, I, you know, I don't know if the angels are really going to make a run to, you know, they might make, you know, who knows, they might make the playoffs, but they're not really going to make a run to, to win much this season. So I would personally wait and keep Adele down. But, you know, if there's no minor league season, then it's like, what do you do? Like he's not getting any reps, like are some reps better than none? Like it's so, it's so convoluted that it's really hard to really put a dot on where he should go in a draft right now and his biggest issue like i don't really have much else to add on adele like he's a phenomenal prospect he's going to be a well-rounded player probably in a couple of years in the mlb um, but he just really struggled against right-handed pitching when he came up to AAA. like that that was literally it like he hit 318 uh against against right-handed pitching um in uh advanced a hit 315 in AA, and he hit 241 in AAA. But he still hit 292 against lefties in Double A, 324 against lefties in Triple A. So he's sim- he just he flat out just you know could not he couldn't I don't know if he's not seeing the ball well or what, but he could not hit right-handed pitching in Triple A, and that that's going to have to change. So for me, that's enough reason to keep him down for especially for the shortened season that seems kind of lost in the ether there. Yep. Um, moving on to the rotation, let's just jump right in. Um, their ace this year is going to be Andrew Heaney, no doubt. Uh, well, Otani is probably their best pitcher if he's healthy, but, you know, that's another story. Andrew Heaney will probably slot in as their number one pitcher. Um, last year, he's him and his magical sinker, which is totally bonkers. Have you looked into this before? I mean, I know they, I think they made a big deal of it over on pitcher's list. They really broke it down. 94% active spin, um, and it doesn't sink. It actually rises, freaking rising <laughs> sinker, which, again, I don't even understand how that works. Uh, but he had a 21% K minus walk rate, which is right up there with some of the elite guys like Jack Flaherty last year, uh, gives up a little too many home runs. Um, you know, and, and he gets, he gets hard. He gets hit a little hard sometimes, but you know, he's had a little bit of, uh, injury issues in the past. So maybe you can take some of that with a grain of salt. He came back last year and only pitched 95 innings, but the strikeouts are real. Um, you know, the walk rate is real. So um, what do we think of Andrew Heaney? I, I think I have a ton of shares of this guy because he just seems like someone who people are, are f- too afraid of this guy. Yeah, I have a couple shares and he, yeah, like you said, the sinker um, and his only problem with the sinker, he just leaves it over the plate. Like that's, I mean, that's a problem that, you know, a lot of pitchers have with sinkers, but he's just simply leaving it over the plate. If you look at the heat map, like he's not he's, he's trying to keep it up in the zone and it's like, it's, it's falling back towards the heart of the plate instead of hitting that, that top shadow zone. So if he can just work on locating that pitch up in the zone and then working with that the slider, the curveball, the change up down in the zone, um, and sometimes working backwards, the hitters, he's going to, you know, like you said, he's going, he should be the ace of this staff. Um, the interesting thing with that sinker. Yeah. Like you said, 94th percentile spin, um, just throwing it in the zone too often. He needs to use it more in tandem with the changeups using that sinker kind of up, up and in using the changeup down, down and away, um, and mixing his pitches a little better. So the pitchability, um, will definitely 
it needs to be improved, but I think it will improve as he gains health. Like he hasn't been able to really throw a full season. And I, I don't even know how long it's been since he's thrown a whole season. Uh, yeah, they, <laughs> it's, uh, he threw 180 innings in 2018. Yeah. Uh, before that 21 innings, six innings, 105, right. 29. So, okay. Yeah, so a shortened season is probably what the doctor ordered, uh, yeah. for, for Heaney, at least from a fantasy standpoint. Um, a lot so of people that- had him projected in for 160. He obviously <laughs> will not get the opportunity to get there right. no matter what. Um, but yeah, he's still, he, you said he leaves his fastball out over the plate, but he, he has a, he has a decent fastball if he, if he, Mm-hmm. places it correctly mm-hmm. and he has a, a you know he has a curveball and a changeup that work for him so um you know his his era could be you know i think the mistakes will still be there um he may have a, a stamina issue even a shortened season so um maybe like a you know maybe you can't expect much more than like a high three zra as as the best case scenario but you're probably looking at a low whip he doesn't walk many guys in a high strikeout rate which for fantasy that's fantastic Right. And he just he carries the injury risk. So that's like, again, that's my only issue with yeah. reaching out for Heaney is because he's going before Marcus Stroman. He's going before Herman Marquez, Dylan Bundy, his teammate. Uh, is he really AJ, going? Behind, is he really going before? He's going Herman before. D- yeah, he's going before Herman Marquez. He's got an ADP of 192 right now. He's going before Adrian Hauser, Ryan Yarbrough, Joe Musgrove. Like I I'm fine with that. Um, there's yeah. a couple. Na- there's a couple names you named. I'm not cool with. <laughs> yeah, but, Hauser. Like I, I'll take Hauser, Marquez, and probably Bundy. I really believe in Marquez. Um, yeah. I think that that I think that that ball. Let, I think honestly that the 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 uh, the juiced ball. I, I don't even mean the juiced ball in terms of it flying out of the park. I mean the actual seams. Like I think that hurt him more than Coors Field. And I, I, I'm dead serious. Um, so he's one of those guys I, I'm, I'm getting everywhere. But um, let's talk about Dylan Bundy because you just said you wanted him more. Uh, Roster Resource has Julio Tehran as the second pitcher, but you know, whatever. We're not. We're going to talk about Dylan Bundy because he's far more interesting. <laughs> so yeah, tell us the tale of Dylan Bundy, and uh, <laughs> we've seen his upside, we've seen his downside. What are we going to get this year? Well, it's a two chapter tale. Uh, <laughs> first chapter is. Camden Yards absolutely, you know, screwed him over over his time there. But, you know, he didn't throw the fastball um, um, very well. So, you know, you hang the fastball, you're in Camden Yards. That's not going to to fare very well. Um, the thing with Bundy, though, he's, you know, he's underperforming all of his expected statistics. So there's a lot of room in, for improvement. And that's what everyone's, you know, really like jumping in on him this season. His ADP is definitely a lot higher than, than it has been the last couple of seasons. And that's because of that, that tangible change, you know, that, that we saw, um, you know, and he's got an environment change moving to, to Los Angeles now. Uh, you know, I don't think they're very analytically driven there, but I know they're, they're getting there. So I'll probably a little more so than Baltimore. So we'll see some pitchability changes, some, some pitch use changes, but the, his slider, I mean, that's, that's chapter two. Of, of tail is his slider has carried him you know through the mlb um it's what's got him there um 24.2 put away where it's absolutely you know, just astonishing when you're watching it but he's he's kind of along the lines of um dylan cease and uh and Dennison lomet right now is where they have one pitch kind of carrying them um and they just kind of you know they need to to supplement it. You know, he needs to start throwing the fastball and maybe setting the fastball up um, with, with his off speed. Only issue is his fastball sucks. Yeah. And that's <laughs> that. And that's when that's literally the only issue. Um, you, know what the, you know, it's funny. The, uh, you know, like it didn't seem like a trend where everyone was getting rid of their two seamers or their sinkers. Yeah. And now it seems now like everyone needs to be getting rid of their four seam fastball and going to the sinker, <laughs> which a lot of people made that trend last year. I know some guys on the reds did and Bundy, um, look like he was trending there too. Like, I mean, borderline, I want to say his best case scenario, like uh, in a perfect world is probably ditching the four seamer going sinker yeah. slider and probably closing for this team instead yeah, of uh, Hansel Robles. <laughs> I'd like, I'd like to see him, you know, like you said, I'd like to see him start throwing a cutter or something yes. like that. Like a fastball yes. that isn't straight. Yes. And you know, perfect, be, right. Get rid of the four seamer, yeah. throw the sinker more, throw in a cutter. Perfect. Exactly. Exactly. He couldn't survive in Camden as a one pitch pitcher, and he's not going to survive in L.A. 
as a one pitch pitcher. So that's, you know, that's really the only improvement he needs is, you know, use the fastball well, a, a little sun, smarter. It was a sunny gray last year. T- terrible four seamer um, started working this sinker more. He obviously lives off of his off speed stuff, kind of like Bundy, but uh, both of them just, you can, you can still spot the four seamer when you need it to, you know, cause you want to throw off the hitters timing, but yeah, you work that sinker at least a lot more in and uh, they'll be in better shape. Um, what are you expecting? What do you think is ceiling for, uh, since you're just, you, you said you want him over Heaney, like, um, what kind of ceiling are you hoping out of Bundy if everything kind of goes the way you're hoping for? Like as far as ERA whip strikeout rate? Uh, so, you know, as far as ERA, I think you could see, I think you could see a four ERA out of Bundy this season. Uh, maybe like four, four, two, somewhere in that, that region. Um, I'd like to see it even better because, you know, he did, he did show some promise in 2016 and 2017. He had 402, 424 ERA. Then things really started going south uh, when he started walking more people. So, you know, 2016 to 2017, he, you know, he walked, uh, he walked like nine more people than he did the previous season. So once he, you know, has started to get that under control with more innings being thrown, more balls being put in play, um, I think, yeah, I think we're going to see an above, you know, above league average ERA again from, from Heaney. And as far as the strikeouts go, uh, I could easily see 180, uh, strikeouts coming out from Heaney, uh, sorry, not from Heaney, uh, from Bundy. I just said that twice, didn't I? That's bad. Um, but yeah, so the whip isn't going to be great though. So that's the only, you know, he's never been, uh, you know, better than league average with his whip. Um, you know, in 2017, that's when he had that going for him, but you know, who knows? It's it's he's definitely worth taking a flyer on because the strides could be very real if he just fixes his fastball. Uh, Julio Tehran is up next in the bull in, in the rotation. Um, he's just not exciting. He he. But one thing he is is sturdy. <laughs> 185 innings, 221, 200, 188, 188, 175, 174. Uh, he's not going to strike out a ton of guys. Um, the walk rate is, uh, a little higher than maybe you'd like out of someone who doesn't strike out many people. Um, and he kind of lives in like the, the high, the high, uh, three low fours ERA typically. Um, I just, I'm never excited about him. He's a very low Babbitt pitcher, but he kind of survives. <laughs> he, he always, almost annually has a FIP much higher than his ERA, but it's one of those things where, you know, you, you can only use metrics so far because it literally every year. He has an ERA that is lower than his FIP dramatically. It's like almost a uh, tradition with him. So it is what it is. He's probably going to come in this year, um, you know, the uh, going to the American League full time, which it wouldn't matter in the National League. They have the DH now, too, probably. Uh, you'd expect the ERA to go up a little bit. So, we're, I mean, you know, low strikeouts, probably mid to low fours at best. There's just, I don't know, meh. What, you know, meh. Yeah, he's man. Uh, he's a yeah, as as Nick Pollock would say, he's a Toby. <laughs> you know, he's pretty he's pretty boring. But like something, you know, one of the interesting things that that I picked out, um, you know, over the last two seasons is he he's, uh, you know, another one of those guys. He swapped his slider and his sinker. So like literally started throwing his sinker um, as much as he was throwing a slider in 2018 and kind of swapped that usage. Um, and he was getting like really good results, um, from his sinker. Granted that his XBA is like, it's like 20, you know, 30 points higher than his BA on that sinker. But if he can work that down in the zone and, and even use the change up more often too. Um, and so that's something nobody really talks about his change up, change up had a 20.7 put a rate, put away rate last season. So he's using it very sneakily and it's almost like a Matthew Boyd situation where he's starting to, you know, it's starting to jump on the scene, uh, as time goes on. And so if he's, if he throws the change up, you know, he's throwing it like 8% last season, if he throws it 10% or higher, I think he's going to see even better results with his other pitches because he can use them to set the changeup up, vice versa, use the changeup to set the fastball up and the sinker, um, you know, using them high and low, changing the eye level of the hitter. So, um, you know, I, Julio Terran, very boring, very boring with, with the Braves all those years. But, you know, in L.A., new setting, um, you know, I could see taking a chance on him, hoping for the best. But like you said, he's, he is what he is, and you're going to get what you got for the last, you know, three, four seasons from him. You know, it's funny. The the the, the athletics rotation has question marks, you know, due to um, track record and injury, and, and there's lots of things there. The Astros are dealing with their own form of a headache. Uh, the Rangers suck. Um, the Mariners are not good. Uh, the Angels, if Bundy 
and Heaney can kind of bounce back. Tehran can make slight improvements. Otani is available in a shortened season. If they get a hot streak going with that offense, maybe they can make a run at this. You know, short season again, no rules. <laughs> we don't yeah. know. Uh, they they have an interesting group here, uh, which leads us to Patrick Sandoval, another guy with a very bad fastball, <laughs> at <laughs> least in terms of what he showed us. Um, but he uh, he he's very interesting because his changeup, which is actually third in the entire league and swinging strike rate, uh, also a pretty good curveball, uh, a slider that um, was you know. If for anyone in, you know familiar with uh, pitcher list is is pr- pretty much just fell short of a money pitch, uh, mm-hmm. only throws it ten percent of the time. Um, he has secondary stuff that is I don't want to say elite, but is like above average. So if he could yep. just you know, like hone in that fastball, there's a ton to like here, um, and he's free, which is yeah. probably the most important part. So I am very interested. I have a lot of shares in in fifteen team leagues of Sandoval uh, because I want to kind of see what happens. But like we said before the show, which we'll let everyone know, he's sliding in as the fourth pitcher with Andres as the five. Um, the problem here is Griffin Canning will be coming back at some point if he's not going to be ready for the, just the beginning of the season at this point with a, you know, he had that elbow trouble and Otani will be in here at some point as well. Um, so the problem with Sandoval, at, at least if you're going to be drafting from scratch, where does that leave you now too? He was already borderline in 12 team, probably going to be on the waiver wire. Um, but you, he, he could almost bend someone, maybe you, depending on the depth of your league, maybe you could have taken a shot, but uh, in 15 team leagues, uh, how do you feel a guy about, well, how do you feel about Sandoval and with canning and Otani in the mix? Um, where, where does that leave you as far as where you think his role will be this year? It's really hard to determine his role, but I, you know, I'd like to think that Otani is going to be primarily used as a hitter and very rarely used as a pitcher, given that he, he had the Tommy John surgery last season. And so given that information, Do you think I, there's a chance they skip it. I wouldn't think would they'd he, skip it. No Tommy he, pitching. Oh yeah. No, I don't think it'll be exactly, you know, skipped per se, but I don't think he's going to get, you know, like regular rotation appearances. So Sunday, only Sunday. Yeah. only <laughs> So where does that, you know, where does that leave Sandoval? Where, you know, what is, what is left for him and Andres? Like, I don't, I don't see Andres outperforming Sandoval. So it, it's going to be such a, the angels are going to be a, a kind of a headache as far as fantasy goes. Now that, it, you know, going through this episode and, and kind of seeing how their team's put together, they've just got a lot of, a lot of good pieces to plug in and use anywhere and everywhere. And so what I like about Sandoval though, he's just, a, you know, he's a great ground ball pitcher in very small sample size, um, that we saw saw from him, but he had you know above average movement um, on his slider. He had a little bit above average movement even on on the fastball. So you know if the fastball's got a little bit of life, fifteen and a half inches of drop, it's pretty incredible um, that he had that poor of results um, from a fastball. You know that really isn't you know that bad when it comes to movement. It's it's all location and commandability, and he's that's been his issue. But he's you know he's really young. And, it, it, um, and it's amazing if he gets that under control, his changeup will be even that much better because it's like there's like a 10 mile an hour difference and that has a sharp drop as well. So exactly. but, he, you know, it works well as is some people exactly. can some people can throw it as a singular pitch like Pedro. Not many can. But yeah, um, yeah you need a fat you need to, you need the fastball to be working. <laughs> yeah. And 45, you know, 46 percent zone. Right. Um, that's that's definitely going to get you hurt as well. Um, in my opinion, he, he just drop, you know, the zone rate a little bit more towards league average. Um, then that's just going to help everything for him overall. And I, I'm really excited to see what Patrick Sandoval does this season and beyond because he's an exciting pitcher. He's got, he could potentially have three, three plus pitches in the next two seasons. And he's a lefty, um, yep. which is a big deal in terms of how they're going to use him. Cause Heaney is a lefty. Uh, Sandoval is so if anyone was going to be an odd man out against that does give him a leg up um, Otani we won't talk about much in terms of pitching because you know I don't know how much value he really holds you're not really drafting him to be a pitcher this year um, especially in in uh, in weekly leagues Griffin Canning on the other hand uh, he was a sleeper like a popular sleeper darling before going down with like a barking elbow at the end of spring training um he's probably going to be fine but um speaking for me i have zero shares i will have zero shares i don't need to be drafting someone who starts the season with elbow trouble and that's really all i need to know we we mentioned all the interesting pitchers earlier when talking about who is going around heaney 
there's a lot of interesting pitchers and I don't need a question mark, like a, like a, like a, an injured elbow to even worry about. So um, whether that's short-sighted on my part is for everyone else to yell at me, <laughs> but Griffin Canning will not have a spot on my team. Good luck to him. I will take a shot in 2021. Yeah, I agree. Especially uh, in, in redraft leagues, hundred um, percent. The only places I have Canning, I have him two dynasty leagues. Um, and that was because, you know, the drafts were, either held well before his injury happened like in February or previous years. And so definitely a guy to hold on to in dynasty leagues, even though it's almost guaranteed that the dude's going to get Tommy John surgery. One of these years, it's like, you don't just, you know, partially tear or sprain your, your UCL like that. And then you're just totally fine for the rest of your career. Like it's going to come back and bite him um, one day or another. And he's kind of like a seasonal element as well. Uh, kind of like Bundy, you know, his off speed really carried him. But two pitches, you know, his curveball. He, 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 does, he does have a good fastball, though. He does. And that's so, yeah, it's that's the sneaky thing is it's like it's not great. Like people don't really pay that close of attention to it. Like I haven't I haven't really noticed it either um, because everyone's just looking at his curveball, right? Like his curveball 12 six, just absolutely amazing. Um, 23.4 put away rate. And so the slider as well, 25.3 put away rate. So you have two pitches, you know, right off the bat um, Mm -hmm. uh, after his first season uh, with, with put away rates over 20%. And so that is just a testament to how great of a pitcher that he could be in the future when he develops his fastball and he gets in and he's back to full health, you know, who knows when that's going to be, but I'm with you. I won't, I'm not, I'm definitely staying away and redraft no matter where he falls to yeah there's just yeah i mean yeah i i'm yeah, there's some p- things you can just you just have to be bit by if you're wrong and, and i'm fine being wrong uh i do wish him the best though that that wraps up the rotation uh we won't talk much about the the bullpen uh everyone knows i don't like Ansel robles as a mets fan you know he he points straight up in the air thinking it's a pop-up and the the ball's been hit 480 feet uh fair so um but I, I do acknowledge that Hansel Robles is a fine value in terms of he's, you know, he's a closer <laughs> and he did, he did a good job last year. Uh, but you know, he's just a guy, he's just jag, just a guy. <laughs> so, uh, I, I don't really have anything to add there. Uh, if you're in a holds league type buttery, other than having a fun name to say, uh, is fine as well. I don't think he's necessarily a, a threat. Um, a threat to Hansel Robles, but I, I have been saying these in all of these shows that, uh, in a shortened season, the Mets can't afford to watch Edwin Diaz blow seven saves in a row. The Reds can't uh, afford to watch Rafael Iglesias blow five games in a row. And that works for any team. Um, the Some of the elite pitchers, like, you know, like, like Ozuna, like Hayter, they're going to be given a longer leash. But guys like Hansel Robles, they won't. Um, no. So if you're in deeper formats, especially – a guy like Butchery, uh, if you're if you're hurting a closer, they're worth speculating on early in the year if you have a roster spot because I think not only will more closers be used like they have in the past. We had Alex Fast to talk about how just more teams are using more pitchers to even get saves, but I think there'll be very very short leashes on people, even people you don't think will have uh, a leash at all. <laughs> um, Might be uh, you know especially if there's a lefty available, which unfortunately. You know, for the uh, the Angels, they don't really have one that is uh, scary. But uh, you know, I would say uh, you know the Chicago White Sox. Uh, when you have a guy like um, Aaron Bummer sitting there, and there's uh, you know there's tough lefties up. I mean, they're going to be making that decision probably in a short season because every game really does matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, these are. I'm not excited. I'm, I'm not excited about any of these pitchers. <laughs> any, of them can, any of them can get closer. Middleton could get a save. Camber Drogen yep. can get a save. They can all get. A save. Middleton's pretty intriguing. He's 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 pretty nasty. I like what I've seen from him so far. Bedrosian, Cam Bedrosian was also you know intriguing, but he's just always down with injury. It seems like um, he's, but he's I, one of the, he's one of those guys that always dominates. Yep. But when he becomes the closer, he sucks. Yep. Uh, who's that guy? Um, former Arizona was on Philly. David David uh, uh, uh David Hernandez. Yes, David Hernandez. He's yeah. another one of those guys where everyone's like, oh, if he's a closer, he's going to dominate. No, <laughs> he was a great setup guy, and then he becomes a closer right. and he sucks. Uh, right. Bedrosian's one of those guys. He just, I don't know, can he not handle the pressure? It's a whole <laughs> other animal. It really is. Yeah. Um, and so I got a quick ADP question for you when it comes to closers. So <laughs> NFPC, pick 56, you got Brandon Workman, and then pick 58, Jose LeClerc. Pick 59, Hansel Robles. Pick 60, Craig Kimbrell. Pick, pick 61. Archie Bradley, who would who you I, like out of that group? Jose Leclerc. It, it's not even close for me. 
gotcha. <laughs> even even ahead of Workman, huh? Uh, Workman, uh, he he's the safer between him and Barnes, but they yeah. both have the same issues. Um, yep. <laughs> honestly, the you know the, the who's who else? Oh, there's one of my favorite guys on that roster. He's I think he's one of yours too. Who's sitting there in the bottom of that bullpen? Oh, Darwin's and her name. Darwin's and he's another guy who actually has the same problem. They all have the same problem. They walk too many people. Yeah. They strike out a ton of people. They're all the same guy. Mister eighteen percent walk rate. Yeah, if I'm not paying for any of those guys though, I, I said no. I I Kila Jimenez. They're going to be my closers. I don't yep. care. I'm not paying for closers. If I yep. want to pay for one, I'm probably going to try to get like Ozuna or something like that uh, a little earlier. Maybe Taylor Rogers I'd be happy with too. But overall, I'm just waiting on. Agreed. I do like Leclerc though. <laughs> yeah. And he like, like you said, like Workman may have a slightly higher floor with Boston, but Leclerc like definitely has the ceiling, especially if Texas puts it together this season. Yep. Um, so that is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Um, they would be far more interesting had they made that uh, that trade with to get Jock Peterson and Ross Stripling. I don't know where that would have yes. led, where that would have left us as far as the rotation, but they would be a much better team. Can you imagine swapping out Goodwin and Andres for uh, for uh, <laughs> Ross Stripling and Jock Peterson? Wow. Um, but you know, here we sit. Uh, so any final thoughts on the angels before we wrap this thing up and, uh, Corey, tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter and find all of your work. Angels are going to be a fun team to watch. Um, you know, they're, they're well-constructed and kind of the opposite of the white Sox, like how, you know, how we did that episode and they really don't have OBP guys to put atop the lineup where the angels have a lot of OBP guys put atop the lineup. They have the power guys, they have the, they have even more OBP guys in the middle and at the end. So angels are going to be very interesting going forward. Um, but yeah, so you can find me at Corey five on Twitter. Um, just going to have a, a new article coming out on Daniel Ponce de Leon, I think next Monday um, for Rota fanatic. So uh, excited to be making my debut over there um, with everyone over there. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and I'm your host, Matt Williams, everyone. You can follow me on Twitter at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Also make sure to be following the podcast at Turn 2 Podcast. Uh, rate and review the show. We love hearing from you. Uh, feedback, good, bad, indifferent. Uh, tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, what you want to hear more of, less of. Uh, we, we always love to hear from you. So uh, we hope you enjoyed this uh, 30 team breakdown of the Los Angeles Angels. We will be back next show with the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are their own separate headache when it comes to starting pitching. But at least it's a fun one in terms of all of them are good. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for listening to the Turn 2 Podcast, and we'll be back next week. See you, everybody. My, oh, my. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The X flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third. Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it into points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, Turn two. What it do? Win leaps Catch out Catch out